What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast, where we give men what they need to love and lead from the front. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host. And I am so excited, so honored to have you here tuning in today. You know, I was thinking you could literally be doing anything else with your time, but you have chosen to tune in to listen to this show. And that's something that I take very seriously. My goal here is to give you the best return on that time as possible. So I just want to pause, whether it's your first time tuning in, or if you listen to every single episode along the way, thank you so much for being here to support our show, to support our mission. Like I said, I really hope to give you a great return on your time and your attention. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So before we jump into today's episode, I'm going to give a quick plug for our new Dad the Man Facebook group. We are taking all the relationships from this show and we are getting together in a group. We're leaning on each other, pouring into each other, sharing sharing our wins, sharing our losses, sharing, sharing our struggles, sharing our resources together. It's a totally free group. There is no excuse not to join. Quit walking through life and all these circumstances alone. We're going through so many of the same things together as men, husbands, and fathers. Like I said, there's no reason to do it alone. I would love to have you come join us in the group. You can find it on Facebook. If you if you go to the group section and search Dad the Man, it will pop up. You can also go to facebook.com slash groups slash Dad the Man. Or you can, you can find a link in the show notes what, on whatever platform you are listening to this show right now. Click that link. It'll take you right to it. All you got to do is answer a question or two and you'll be right in there. I hope to see you in there soon. So today's guest is none other than Joseph Warren. So Joseph is the host of a podcast called Broken Catholic, and it is the number one show on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. His show has been rated under the top 100 Christian podcasts in the world since 2019. He's the founder and head coach at blowuprocks.com, which is a coaching program for Christian husbands who want to go from angry and stressed to peace and purpose without therapy or marriage counseling. So when I talked to Joseph for the first time, he said like th- like three words came out of his mouth and immediately I thought, I know that accent. So I said to him, I said, you're from Long Island, aren't you? It turns out Joseph grew up right down the road from where I was born and where a lot of my family lives out on Long Island, New York. So that was a fun connection to get to make. And in today's episode, today's conversation, Joseph tells a lot of his life story. He unpacks his testimony and coming to faith in Christ. And he also talks about, he explains how he uses his experiences to now serve other men. Joseph is an incredible man, husband and father, and it was an honor to host him on the show. So here's my conversation with the Joseph Warren. Man, I think this is... one of the, one of the best ways I've been able to deduce this, and and I've stolen it from somebody who I, else I've had on the show, but it's <clears throat> had a guy on the other day. His name's Yogi Roth, and he said that he believes one of the biggest purposes in life is to is to give it away. So you have to you know you have to go seek something to have something, and it's not just you know it's not a material thing. Whether maybe it is, maybe it's maybe it's a love of God, maybe it's a love for your family, maybe it's a skill set, whatever it is, but accumulate it enjoy it and give it away give it all back pour it back all into people and you know my life is in and out been around god um at times it has at times it hasn't uh, more recently i feel like god's been shortening that leash on me kind of like i was saying a little bit saying hey you got to come a little closer so i can lead you a little bit better and i'm trying to turn into that and um you know steward steward the resources that he's given me the, the best that i can and then you know as i'm learning just continue to 
give it all away. So that's kind of what this podcast is really. That's, it's the uh, materialization of me trying to give away what it, whatever it is that I guess I have on my heart and bring on, you know, awesome people like you, man, and just have you pour into people as well. And, you know, it's, everybody's dying to give their attention away to different things. So I'm trying to give a better option, I think, for, for people to give their attention to that might steer them back into the, steer them back to God, steer them back to their family, steer them back into the, the things that are actually going to produce fruit in their lives and keep them from being lost. Like I admittedly was, and I didn't, didn't know that I was at the time, but I certainly was. So that's probably the best way I can answer that off the cuff. Brother, if you're listening to this show right now, you just heard the host, Brendan Wall, deliver his heart out on a platter to you of what he's up to in the world. And it's about you. It's about you being increased in your home life so that you could show up whole and complete in your business life. Uh, he just shared his heart with you. I'm Joseph Warren. I run the number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. And I'm honored to be a guest on Brendan's show. And he has tremendous guests on the show. So if this is your first time listening, then make sure you add this uh, to your, your phone so that you do not miss any opportunities for God's increase in your life. Brendan, you're a rock star. Keep going. Joseph Warren, I appreciate it, brother. I appreciate you making this easy for me. I usually come in and do the whole introduction and everything, but you just did it all for me, so I appreciate that. So, man, I just want to welcome you to the show. I'm so excited to have you on. I've, like I was telling you before, before we went live, I've been digging into your work and following you. I recognize that Long Island accent from a mile away, so that's so refreshing to hear from me. You um, just lost half your audience right there. <laughs> half of them are probably like, man, what, what is Long Island? Where is that? Yeah, where is uh, that? Is that in Australia? I don't know. Brother, thank you so much for making some time today. Seriously, I know you've got a lot going on. You've got your own family. You've got your own business. Um, it's a, we, we receive your time as, as a gift, so thank you so much for, for, for giving us some of that. So I want to start off today, if you're cool with it. I want to take it back. I want you to tell us a little bit about your childhood, where you grew up, family dynamics, siblings, your relationship with God in that time, the, the whole nine yards. Let's give everybody a, a chance to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, Brendan, thanks for inviting me to be on the show with your men, with your audience, your tribe. We're all in this together. You know, the one thing I've learned, whether you're a Protestant, you're a Catholic, you're an atheist, you're an agnostic, we're all the same in our struggles, you know, as men. We struggle the same, right? We're humans. We bleed the same color. And, uh, you know, this is an opportunity for us to unite and to learn from each other sharpen each other, etc. So, you know, to your question, hey, we all have beginnings and we didn't get to choose them. You know, so mine started on Long Island, you know, New York for all the people who don't know. And, uh, you know, I was raised in a family of six kids, three boys, three girls, Brady Bunch, you know, for, for people that know that reference. And uh, my dad, my dad is a Marine and uh, he fought in the Vietnam War. And I thank him for his service um, because he gave a lot of his life in that war. You know, his mental, his mental life, I would say. Uh, when my dad came back from Vietnam, uh, before he came back at the end of the war, you know, for anybody who knows that war, uh, it didn't turn out the way America thought. We thought it would be a quick in and out. And uh, the Viet Cong, that's what they called them, the enemy at the time, um, 
You know, they were masters at uh, fighting an invisible battle, being an invisible enemy, right? And they would tunnel underground, right? So we fought on their home turf in Vietnam, right? And they would tunnel underground and hide and wait for the American soldiers to walk through the jungles. And then they would pop up from underground and take them all out. And, uh, you know, because everyone would be getting killed, there was no way to pass on that message, right? So they took out hundreds of thousands of American soldiers. And this is how it could be in our minds sometimes as men. You know, we're being attacked by invisible enemies. And there's like tunnels in our brain. We're like, I don't know what's going on. Where are these thoughts coming from? Why am I getting hit, etc.? But I digress. At the end of the war, my father had to uh, fly down into enemy ter territory in those double helo helicopters and slide down the ropes in enemy fire to retrieve the dog tags off of his fallen brothers and friends so that he could bring back to their families at least one piece of their son or their, their brother or their grandson. And you can imagine the trauma that my dad, as a, a man, a human, went through. Um, the feeling of loss of control, you know, as a man where he, he couldn't save his brothers. He watched them be slaughtered in front of him. And then why the bleep did he survive, right? So that's survivor's guilt as well. Why him? Yep. So anyway, he came back from the war with all that, I call them rocks, all that head trash, all that head trash um, just weighing in him. And, uh, you know, he wanted to start a family. He knew he was called to be a father. So we met my mom uh, in New York City, and, uh, you know, she was off the boat, a Greek, you know, Greek woman, and uh, very spicy and alive and uh, very authentic Greek, you know, kind of like the olive oil. And uh, they <laughs> fell in love, and they had six beautiful children, and, um, you know, life was good for a long time. And my dad pressed down that anger for quite a while, right? And uh, it wasn't until like I was probably three, four, five, I don't even know the age, where my dad became explosive at home. His anger, see, when you press down anger in a man long enough, you put the cap on the toothpaste long enough, but you keep applying more and more pressure to the toothpaste, well, eventually it busts out the sides. And that's how anger works in us men. Eventually, when you press it down too long and too often, um, it comes out the sides of your life at the worst times on the people you love most. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that would happen. And my dad would explode and just have these, you know, loss of control, emotional control and, and just snap at us. And we were little kids, you know, we're innocent. We're meant to push the envelope. We're learning, we're growing, we're figuring out us. My dad just didn't know what to do with that. Right. Cause he was used to the Marines and you followed orders and that's just what it was. And, so eventually that way of controlling children, his spouse, etc. eventually my mom had enough and she filed for a divorce and she was reading all these feminist books at the time where men are dirt, men are scum, they're out to get you, you got to get out before they get you and you know it was just like all this nasty brainwashing. Mm -hmm. uh, so that didn't help and the enemy, you know, entered our home. And our loving home turned into a war zone for about two years, yeah, of custody battles between mom and dad fighting for custody of the ch children. 
And back then it was very psychologically damage, damaging for the kids, the court system, like the kids, regardless of the age, um, were asked to pick which parent you want to spend the rest of your childhood with as your mom and dad are looking at you with puppy dog faces. Like that's just jacked up. Right. And, right. and that causes rocks. And so I, I picked my mother, you know, and I say, because, Hey, my mother was the better marketer. She promised me unlimited sweets, right? <laughs> no rules and endless television. You know, if I picked her, my dad's promised more rules, more discipline, but more love. Well, I was like, I'm a boy. I'm gonna go with mom, you know? And, mm -hmm. uh, and we split, our family was split down the middle. And, um, you know, I became a latchkey kid. You know, my mom went out there and now she had to survive on her own. And uh, she um, plugged into the welfare system as a single mother now of four children that, you know, she took custody of out of the six. And, uh, you know, I was I was left, to home, left home alone after school because she would work, um, you know, secretary jobs during the day and then put herself through school during the night. So very industrious which was great but, but you know hey the kids didn't get the love uh for critical ages um but i but i want to go back and say right before the divorce happened um you know all those custody battles there was a lie whispered into my life for almost two years and it was whispered repeatedly and convincingly by the enemy through my mother she didn't know she loved us, but you know, the enemy comes in and, and what was whispered into my ears at eight and a half years old was your father never loved you, Joseph. It was all a lie. He's been, he's been pretending your whole childhood. Pick me. And man, when I heard that lie over and over again, well, what happens when you hear a lie repeatedly and convincingly, it becomes your truth. Not the truth, but your truth. And it became my truth. And, and, but I, I wrestled with it because I was like, I had all this evidence that dad did love me. When he wasn't angry, he was very loving. And I was like, all right, so if dad is lying to me and you know, he's been pretending, well, I feel betrayal. I can't trust him, right? So man, the rocks of betrayal got pushed into my soil as, as a little boy. But then if my dad does love me and my mom's lying about it, well then, what the heck kind of sick mother would say something like that to her son? Well, I felt betrayal from my mother. Well, maybe she doesn't love me. So right there in my life, you know, father wounds were put in and mother wounds. I got it from both sides. And I made an unconscious decision at eight and a half years old never to love again. And I know some of your men listening are going to resonate with that. I was young. I wasn't developed in my brain yet. Just an unconscious command to, to myself, to Joseph. I'm never going to love again because I never want to feel this way again. I never want to feel this hurt, this pain. And I'm never going to let anyone into that part of my heart where they can hurt me this way ever again. And there was anger all mixed in with that and rage of the loss of control of the love in my home. And I had to choose and what the heck. And now my parents don't love me. I thought they did. So all that anger got pushed down in me and that really painted, all that dysfunction painted my future, especially in my relationships. So as I became a young man and then started dating and uh, got into business at an early age, I took all that anger and anger is a great 
fuel in business for men. It's like jet fuel. And I applied that anger and rage into my business. And at age 19, uh, we built a seven-figure business within 12 months. And it rocked. And then we duplicated it and did seven figures in every city. And we started scaling. I was a workaholic like you, Brendan. I worked 110 hours a week from age 19 to 24 and a half, I think. Well, that's not sustainable. So I burnt out. And uh, I semi-retired. I left the business, took the money, semi-retired for five years in Scottsdale, Arizona, USA. That was my Sin City, prodigal son years, where I took my father's inheritance and I went off to a foreign land called Scottsdale. And I blew through the fortune with loose women and a very party, dark lifestyle. And once the money ran out, the friends ran out, the girls left. And I was alone in a foreign land eating the pigsty. And I eventually came back to my senses. But then it was about 10 years, uh, a 10 year long journey back to the father's house, so to speak. Um, and God had to blow out all the rocks in me from childhood. So that's like the big picture, but dig in wherever you want to go. Um, so I'm a very dysfunctional man from New York. <laughs> all right, in case you all missed that. There we go. Now. We're obviously not at the end of the story here. So now you've, if we fast forward to the end, you're in a position now where you are, you're really serving men, you're helping men. So I'd love to maybe connect those dots from that place where you are, you're out there and you're in Scottsdale and you're living it up, you're partying Sin City. And now you're in a position where you're, you're pouring all of this back into men and you're serving them and helping them get their own lives back together fix their anger issues. How did we get there? What was that resolution period like where you said, okay, I'm lost in Sin City. How did you reconcile with God and, and get back onto this path that you're on today? Yes. So as the money ran out and I was left alone with no one, um, I started weeping. It was the first time I had wept since I was a boy. I lost everything. I was alone. I didn't know what to do for the first time in my life. I called my sister, my oldest sister. She was in Tampa, Florida. She was married with some beautiful children and, uh, and I just started weeping on the phone and told her my situation. And I was always the positive, motivational sibling. And she's like, Joseph, you're not yourself. Things must be bad. I was like, things are at the worst. And she's like, well, why don't you move to Tampa, start over, come stay with us for a little bit and uh, rebuild your life. Let me speak to my husband first and make sure it's okay. He rules our home. He gets the decision. And man, I was like, what do you mean I have to wait for an answer? I thought you loved me. But you know what? She had her order right in her marriage, and it was awesome. She was a godly woman, and uh, she called me back two or three days later. And that was the very long wait. And she said, all right. My husband said, come on out. So I packed up my few possessions and a piece of crap car I had left, you know, and uh, I think I had $300. I sold my, just some little things I had left after, I, you know, everything had run out a while back. And uh, 300 bucks in gas money, and I drove from Scottsdale to Tampa. And um, I remember I woke up the next morning in... Uh, you know, the little kid, my sister's children's bedroom on a bunk bed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 
the day before I was in complete darkness and I woke up the next morning and all these little baby humans were jumping up and down going, Uncle Joseph, Uncle Joseph, Uncle Joseph. And it was like I was in God's light. I went from darkness to light and I didn't choose it. Like God came and found me. I was the lost sheep in the darkness. And he left the 99 that were doing good. And he came and found me. I was the prodigal son that screwed everything up in my life. And uh, from that day forward, man, I felt humiliated. I felt humbled. I lost everything. I screwed up everything. And I lacked confidence for the next 10 years. And I started new businesses and I tried and I had 10 failed businesses in a row after that. Trying to rebuild. And I was at the top. I knew how to run seven-figure businesses and I couldn't even get a six-figure business going. Like, right? I just didn't have it anymore. And then there was at this place, answering your question, I was at this place uh, in those 10 years of rebuilding in Tampa and I was just frustrated and annoyed and I was angry. I was still so angry, but now I was angry at God. See, I had left God for those five years. I was an atheist at that point. And slowly I'm going back to church just because my sister was and I had to fit in and do all that. But it was just a checkbox, a line item. and My heart wasn't in it. And uh, I remember I got this prompting, just this quiet whisper in me, in my heart. You know, all you men listening, you've had that little whisper of God that you push away, you ignore, you're too busy. And it's, it was pretty much, Joseph, come spend time with me. Come spend time with me. And I was like, I don't want to hear you. I got nothing to say to you. Right? And it just kept just nagging me. Come spend time with me. And it just wouldn't let up for days and weeks. And finally, I said the best prayer of my life. I said, what do you want? Can you see I'm busy rebuilding everything? Pretty much you took from me. I blame God, even though it was my poor decisions. I just didn't want to take ownership. And the, the prompting, the nagging persisted, right? They call God the hound of heaven, right? He comes after us, mm-hmm. searching for us, but as a loving father, not a judge and jury, right? But, uh, you know, I was just like, fine. You want me to come spend time with you? Here's the deal, right? My New York came out. Here's the <laughs> deal. Let's make a deal with heaven. Here's all my bills, Provide me enough money to pay off my bills and I'll come spend time with you. Until then, I don't want to hear from you. Think of the arrogance. Speaking to the creator of the entire universe. The one who gave me life that way. But I didn't know any better. I was lost and hurt and angry and that's just where I was. But see, no matter where you are, brother, as you're listening to the show, God will meet you right there. If you're angry at him, he wants you to be angry. And he wants you to bring the anger to him because then at least you're finally being honest and you stop lying to him. That's what God wanted from me. So two weeks later, guess what happens, Brendan? Come on, what happens? What do you think? I'm guessing God came through. Dude, it's so annoying. (laughs) <laughs> so annoying. Two weeks later, two of my uh, friends here in Tampa, a successful attorney and a successful plastic surgeon, 
Um, both right, financially successful, single, and lonely. And they go out to dinners by themselves, right, after working all day. And then they go home and watch TV by themselves. And then they wake up the next morning and rinse and repeat. And they're just miserable. But they got the money, the cars, the house. Like, but they're just a mess. Well, I didn't know all that backstory for them, but they did. And they saw me out, like, with girls and try, you know. And that was one area of my life I did have some confidence in. And, uh... You know, they both reach out to me, one first, then the other. And they said, hey, can we hire you for life coaching? Specifically in communicating with women. I'm lonely, brother. I just want to meet a good quality girl, man, and, and date her and have a real relationship. And I was like, let me ask you a real question. Do you want to meet girls and date girls just to get laid? Or do you actually want a real relationship? No, I want a real relationship. I was like, okay, I'll help you with that. But if you ever turn it into like just trying to hook up whatever and use what I teach you, I'm out. All right, good. How much will you charge me? I was like, this much. And they're like, dude, that's a lot of money. I was like, dude, you're lonely and miserable and you have a lot of money. Who the bleep cares? Like, what's the point of having all the money if you go home alone and, and feeling like crap every day? All right, good point. So both of them, they uh, wrote me checks. And with those two checks and a little savings, I was able to pay off all my bills and take off for about eight months. Wow. Because God is never outdone in generosity. Yeah. So guess what I did with the money? Come on, Brendan. Oh, Go boy. two for two. Don't, don't tell me you spilled it all out again. Bro, I went back to my bad behaviors. <laughs> Time to party again, right? It's what I knew. I just, I lived in dysfunction. I had rocks in me from childhood. I had never addressed. So I took the money and I started partying with all my, you know, friends and we rented homes in the Hamptons. We fly up, we rent 10 bedroom, 11 bath homes and we're having a party, right? And we got the girls out on the boats and stuff and, and we're living it up. Come back to Tampa. We went to a home in South, you know, South Florida. Boom. And then I come back and in between one of my next trips, um, I had confided in a, a Christian buddy, you know, what had happened with God and all this stuff and the annoying voice. And uh, so he, he reached out to me. He's like, Joseph, how you doing, man? And I'm like, I'm good. Things are great. He goes, yeah, I see that. You remember that prayer you told me you had with God? Like, Looks like God did his part of the deal. How you doing with yours? Oof. And he punched me in the throat. This is why it's important to have godly men around us. And I just gulped and I was like, crap. You know, because I still had a conscience. I had a lot of dysfunction, but I still had a conscience. And I said, okay. So I showed up at my church the next day the one right down the street in this little quiet chapel in the middle of the day. And I canceled my next trip. And I said, God, I'm here. And I sat on one of those hard wooden benches. <laughs> I'm like, God, I'm here. If you want to talk, well, I'll give you an hour a day for the next two weeks. I'll show up. If you want to talk, let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to sit here bored and just angry at you. Honesty. God wants honesty. He met me right there. 
And, you know, I kept faithful in that. An hour a day, and those hours sucked, man. I didn't know what to do with myself just sitting there, you know, sitting on my hands, my brain racing with all the things I could and should be doing in my business. But God met me there, and uh, he started putting godly men all around me over those two weeks, and I got invited to things. And I remember a very important invitation. A buddy of mine, a Protestant buddy, a Southern Baptist friend, he was like, hey, Joseph, you want to go to this worship service at my church this Wednesday night? I was like, no, no, I don't. And he goes, there'll be a hundred pretty single girls there. I was like, what time? <laughs> See, God knows how to get us. And God will use the natural things, even the bad behaviors, to bring us closer to him. So I showed up with a friend, and he was right. There was 100 pretty single girls there. They're waving their hands in the air like they don't care, you know, worshiping God, and uh, the lights are dim. And I was like, what the heck is this? I had never been to a Protestant service. I'm like, these people are a little outrageous. I kind of like it. And then they had a social after and food, and uh, they knew how to get the young people in for sure. Free food for the dudes, man. And um, I started talking with all these girls and stuff, and, but before I go there, that night, they had a special testimonial by a very successful businessman after the worship service and before the food. So you had to sit through it in order to get the chow, right? Mm -hmm. So I listened to this guy, and he, he just starts talking about his business success. And all, all of a sudden, he had my attention because I want to rebuild mine, empire. And he talked about his life before Christ. And how God punched him in the throat and the quiet whisper and all that. And I was like, oh, crap, this is sounding terribly familiar. And uh, then he talked about his life after Christ and how he spent the first half of his life glorifying himself with his business and status and money. And his identity was placed in all those things. And now it's all about glorifying God with the rest of his life. And how he prays in his board meetings with his team. And here's the part that got me, Brendan, got my attention. The guy was a billionaire with a B. Oh, crap. I See, I don't argue against success. Yep. And results and achievement. And man, he had my ears for sure. I should say God had my ears. And, uh, you know, I was like, I felt the, that little voice again prompting, go speak with him after, go speak with him after, go speak with him after. I don't want to speak with him. I'm scared to speak with him. Go speak with him. So I went up there and I was like, hi, I'm Joseph, blah, blah, blah. Really resonated with me. Thank you. And he said, hey, I'm starting a, a group for young businessmen like yourself at my office and we'll meet weekly. Uh, really build your faith into your business. Um, why don't you come? We start this week. And I was like, crap. But it was an opportunity to sit and learn from a billionaire. So I said yes, and I showed up. And that led to another invitation where this guy was teaching how to quiet your mind and sit with God in silence. This all happened like really quickly. Mm -hmm. See, because God moves fast when we say yes to even one step towards him. He runs with his arms wide open as the prodigal father, right? And, uh, you know, before I knew it, I'm learning how to sit. I'm learning what to do in that hour a day with God in that church and how to listen and shut up all the noise and chatter. 
And this began my path back to God. And Brendan, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I went from a guy who couldn't hear God and didn't believe God still speaks to his sons and daughters. That's Old Testament stuff, and it's only for prophets. And all of a sudden, I'm training my mind to get quiet and listen to the quiet whisper of God. And these men are teaching me how to do it, how they do it successfully every morning, and how God gives them insight into their daily decisions and their businesses, and then massive abundance pours down into their business, their life. And I'm like, what? You can get an ROI from heaven? What? How do I do this? This sounds like a great hack. (laughs) I still had a very selfish heart. And I learned, and all of a sudden, God started to speak to me. At least I thought. But how did I know it wasn't my own voice? How did I know it wasn't the enemy? But what he, I was hearing him say, and I'm journaling, I'm writing everything down, word for word, verbatim, like uh, recording an interview, transcripts. And I'm going back, and I'm reading it, and I'm like, there's no way my mind could come up with this, Brendan. There is no way. These are answers I've had for 30-plus years about my life. And all of a sudden, it's a clear, straightforward answer, simple, and it connects 52 dots. I don't have that capacity. And it's the voice is loving and tender and paternal. It's not the enemy. It's speaking life into me, not death, not judgment and condemnation like the enemy, but conviction and called to greatness. And I'm like, oh, what's happening here? And what I didn't know God was doing is he was blowing up all the rocks in my soil that I didn't put there. Others put there, the world put there, the enemy threw rocks at me my whole life. Brother, you got rocks in your soil as you're listening right now. And I know what I'm saying. My story, God's story told through me is resonating with you, with every man. And I'm calling you out right now. You got to stop lying to yourself about your life. Stop pretending like everything's good and everything's fine because it's not. Your marriage is on the rocks. Your kids are a few years away from being disconnected and having wanting nothing to do with you because you work so much. And you find reasons and excuses not to be home because you don't know how to deal with relationships. You don't know what to do or what it even looks like. And you suck at it. Let's be real. I sucked at it, right? It's like your other guest, Dr. Deloney said, you know, Nobody teaches us how to do the thing. And we're naturally drawn to the things we're good at. You know what I was good at? Anger and business. So where do you think I want to spend all my time? And a lot of you men, that's exactly what you're good at. But at home, you're like, this is outside my control. I feel powerless here. Great. You don't have to rely on your power. You can rely on God's and he'll show you how. But right, there's a whole path there. Now, Brendan, I don't know what our timeline is on our show, but you know, I wrote a book about this called Peace and Purpose. Seven steps to master your anger and stress, brother. Like, don't you want to do that? Because right now it's mastering you. Maybe you're blowing up on your wife and kids more often than you like. And then you're feeling guilt and shame afterwards. To the point, like one of my clients that came to me, he's like, Joseph, I felt so much guilt and shame after I blew up on my wife and kids repeatedly, that I couldn't even go apologize to them anymore because I knew I was just going to do it again. And I was just stuck in a shame cycle. 
But that man, through the coaching we did together with God, God blasted those rocks permanently. He doesn't wrestle with that anymore. It was a one and done. See, when God heals, it's permanent. It's forever. Mm-hmm. Remember all the healings in the Bible that Jesus did. Show me one place where after Jesus healed the person, the man or the woman, he said, okay, now schedule your follow-up visit with my assistant. There was no follow-up visit. See, that's the power of God when he takes over your life. But brother, you're in the way. Your ego, your pride, like mine. I got this. I'm working on it. I see it. I just got to work harder. No, you're banging your head against the same wall. You're insane, dude. It's not working. How long you been working on it? Well, I don't know, like one or two, uh, 10 years. How's it going? Well, you know, not so well. Oh, okay. So you're going to keep just doing what you're doing and sitting and avoiding and ducking and putting your head in the sand like the rocks aren't there. Meanwhile, you're watching your wife go further and further away from you. You no longer have connection with her. And you know, deep down in your heart of hearts, that once the kids, your kids move out, you're going to have nothing to speak with her about because you don't even know who she is anymore. Your marriage has become transactional. She's more of a roommate than a soulmate. Like, this is where you are, brother. You got to stop lying. Okay, so. You got to take it on. What do you got? I hate to even jump in, man, because you are rolling. And that, I mean. Go God, let's go. My goodness, there's so much beauty in in the whole testimony that you've just outlined for us. And right now, the guy you're speaking to, I think is is a lot of a lot of guys out there. I mean, you, mm-hmm. we hear a lot about the guy who, you know, he's he suffers in, in quiet. He lives a life of quiet desperation, right? He's yeah, Matthew he's, Kelly. He's, yep. Yes, he's lonely. He's angry for sure. He's angry. He does feel distant from his wife. He feels disconnected and powerless with his own kids. He, he, he doesn't even really like his job, but maybe he's good at it. So he at least has an outlet in some way there. And all of and that. the pay's just, good. The money's good, right? Right, so right. Keeps him locked in it. Yes, there's a tangibility to that. Um, but that all harbors a resentment and an anger. And like you said, I think a lot of times we're guilty of just saying, hey, I can do this on my own. I'm good. I'm the lone wolf. But How's it working out for you? Yeah, not so well over the last decade. Like you were just using that example. So for the guy who maybe feels that way, whether it's mm. one degree of that or it's a hundred degrees of that, for the guy who's just feeling separated and angry, mm. how can you mention the seven steps? I'd love to hear you outline those for us. All right, let's go, brothers. You ready? Pen and paper. Let's go. Take some nuts. You're going to want them or you're going to have to keep clicking replay here. All right, seven steps to mastering your anger and stress. You can find it in my book. By the way, I'm going to give you my book after this. All right, so step number one. First off, you got to really, like I said earlier, stop lying to yourself that everything's okay and it's all going to work out on its own. It's actually not. You know it's not. It's just going to get worse. It is. There is no neutral gear in your life. There's only backsliding and accelerating. So if you've been just playing in neutral, numbed out, sedated in your life, whether it be sports or porn or alcohol or other pacifiers, like I just want to be real. You're walking around with like a baby plastic pacifier in your mouth as a grown ass man because you won't lean in and take on the rocks because 
I don't blame you. You don't know how. I didn't know how. But I want you to know you can, you will, and God expects you to. And he'll do it. All right? So here's the seven steps. Here we go. Number one, outrageous ownership. Outrageous ownership. I'm actually going to pull this straight from my book, word for word, okay? All right? So this means, brother, that you take extreme ownership for the life that you've created. No one else is to blame. Remember how I was blaming God for mine, all my poor decisions? Yeah, I eventually had to look in the mirror and take ownership of my mess and say, I did this through my actions and my inactions. Okay? So you got to look at your life. Look at the mess. Stop pretending it's not there. Call it out. Okay, my life is a mess in these areas, but business is working. I'm killing it. I'm crushing it. Awesome. Great job. But you're not whole and complete. Right? And a house divided against itself will fall, brother. You will fall just like I did. Okay? So extreme ownership. And you have to face and embrace the consequences of those decisions. And you will not try to escape your life ever again by sedating yourself with these pacifiers. We mentioned a few. You're going to lean in and face it, okay? So you got to get to that place of outrageous ownership. That's step one. If you're not there, the other steps don't work. They just don't, period. You know this is true. All right, step two, brother. Radical responsibility. After you've taken outrageous ownership, you got to take radical responsibility. This simply means that you will lean in and do whatever it takes for as long as it takes to create workability in all areas of of your life. That means the areas that are not working right now. We spoke to some of them. And that you accept, ready, that no one is coming to save you. No one is coming to save you. Yes, you have but one Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And he expects your full participation in your own recovery. But here's the problem. You haven't been relying on Jesus you, ha- you have been relying on yourself. Self-reliance is what's killing most Christian men right now in their lives versus God-reliance, okay? So radical responsibility. Step three, here you go. Loving leadership. Loving leadership. We hear all the time as Christian men, hey, you got to like be the spiritual leader of your home. Okay, okay, I want to do it. How do I do it? Well, you just do it. Yeah, but how do I do it? Bro, just do it. Just try harder. I don't know where to try. I don't know where to start. What's the blueprint? I like order. I like steps. Give me a process. That's what I do in business. It makes me successful. How do I do it at home? Dude, just do it. See, this is what we're getting as men. It's not our fault. There's no direction. There's no teaching. All right? So loving leadership Right? This is what I teach in my coaching. This is why men's lives get transformed, right? I give them the how-to practical tools in their life. All right. So loving leadership. I've uh, summed up all of leadership, whether it be in business, um, at home, uh, any type of leadership out in the world is summed up in three words. Are you ready? You go first. Amen. You, you go first. Jesus, the greatest leader of all time, he went first. And they said, come follow me. Take up your cross daily. Right? Let me show you how it's done. This is what it looks like. Loving leadership. You take the hits. You take the arrow. 
You climb the mountain and put yourself on the cross. Not you, your ego, your pride, yourself. Worship and glorification. Hanging on a cross next to me. Right? This is what it means spiritually to lead our homes. It means you go first. Dad, father, husband. It means you will put yourself at risk. You will take the arrows, not your wife, not your kids, not your parents, not your siblings, not your friends, not your employees, and you're going to take action today, okay? I hear so many men that say, Joseph, Joseph, my wife, she's just spiritually inclined way more than me. She's just really good at praying and leading grace, so I'd let her do it, right? Why mess with success? Like, she's good. She's better than me at it. Okay. You may be right. The reason why you suck at it is because you're not practicing, okay? That's the first thing, just like anything in life. The second thing is, and this is going to hurt. This is going to sting, brother, as you listen. God, at the end of your life, will not hold your wife responsible for spiritually leading your family. He will hold you responsible the same way he held Adam accountable, not Eve. Remember that? He went to Adam, spoke to Adam, not Eve. Eve did the crime. Adam was going to do the time, right? Think about that. God's going to hold you responsible. So you got to go first, man. I could teach you how to do it, what that actually looks like, but you got to say yes to it. All right. Step four, step four, spiritual surrender. This was the biggest thing in my life, man. That set me free. Are you ready? This is so good. It's so good. All right. This means, brother, that you're going to give God total and complete control over your business and your family. Yeah, I said your business. That means your finances. You little control freak. Just like me. That's me. That's me. Okay? (laughs) That's me. Nah, nah. God, take all these areas. Not this. This is my business. This is my baby. I trust me more than you if I'm being honest, God. Sorry. I just do. All right? That's where I was at. Brother, maybe that's where you're at. Get honest about it. You think God doesn't know? You think God can't see your schedule and your priorities and he's not on it? Come on. We're bringing out some long hours. There it is. Come on. There it is. All right, so I give God total and complete control over my business and life. Here's the power punch. Write this down, brother. Write this down. You are only responsible for your actions and inactions. All outcomes and uh, results, all outcomes and results belong to God, not you. Ready? Do you get how freeing that is? This set me free in so many areas. It was like a pile of rocks I took off my shoulders. The moment God revealed this to me. Wait, God, you're telling me that I just have to show up and do the right thing or stop doing the wrong thing. And I can let go of trying to control, manipulate, influence the outcomes and results in my meeting tomorrow in the business. My conversation with my wife, that's awkward. And just give you control over that and it's going to work out for my good. Are you kidding me? Oh, that's freeing. Come on, just hearing that, brother. Just hearing that. Don't you feel a little lighter? Amen. You know why? Because your, your heart knows and recognizes truth. God's truth. All right? So spiritual surrender, I'll teach you how to do that. It's way easier than you think way easier but nobody's teaching us how to do this in church and it's ticking me off protestant churches catholic churches no one's teaching it it's unacceptable men need to be set free we're gonna do it together 
Step five, bold belief. How are we doing on time, Brendan? We good? We all right? We're good. Keep rolling, brother. Keep rolling. All right, man. All right, brother. This is long form podcast content. All right? Absolutely. So if you need to pause this and drive home safely or whatever, you know, pick it up tonight after you put the kids to bed, kiss the wife, make love to her, and then turn the show on. Let's go. Let's go. Bold belief, step five. This means, brother, that you place all your trust unreservedly in God's providence and biblical promises. This means you're not going to put God to the test, but you are going to put his biblical promises to the test. God, you told me, you promised me, if I put all, if I put you first and your kingdom, your righteousness first, all these things would be granted to me. Father, my finances are sucking right now. I need you to go take care of that. I'm going to show up and put in the time with you. I'll do an hour a day like Joseph did. And I'm going to put you first in my day. Then I'm going to kiss my wife and put her second. Man, I'm going to love her. And I'm just going to be there as a great husband. And then I'm going to put my kids next, Father. And if I do that, you got the rest, right? Are you kidding me? What good father's not going to do that for his son he loves when he sees his son get up and do the right thing? This is what God's waiting for. All right? So ready? Here's the thing. The bottom, the reason why you don't have all the things you want in your life, brother, as you're listening, is because you don't actually believe God is good and that he's a good father. And you don't actually trust him. Because think about it. I'm, I'm going to give you evidence of this because I had this rock. God, I love you, but I don't trust you. If I'm being real, I don't trust you with this. I don't trust you with this. You're going to let me down. I know it. Because I've been hurt before, right? I lost money before. So I don't trust you. But if I'm being honest, I actually didn't give God control back then. I was in control. That's why it failed, right? So anyway, here's the evidence of your lack of belief, brother. And I'm not calling you out to put your face in it. I'm calling you out to convict you to get more in your life. And God wants to give it to you. And here's how, right? So if you believed, ready? Here's the question. If you believe that the king of the universe is your father and he loves you and he's a good father and he wants to do good for you, the same way you want to do good for your kids, if you truly believe that, then it is 100% unreasonable for you to ever again doubt, complain, or worry about your future. Did you get that? Why would you doubt, complain, or worry if the one who's in control of everything is your daddy and he loves you and he's good and you're showing up doing the right decisions? See? You wouldn't. So if you're doubting, you're complaining, or you're worrying, you don't actually believe as much as you say you believe in God. There's your evidence. I'm not condemning you. I'm just asking you to ask yourself the question. All right, bold belief. You got to boldly believe that God's going to deliver. All right, step six. Brother, you're so patient. You're listening here to my accent. It's ridiculous. I know. I didn't didn't put this in me. All right, powerful perseverance. Powerful perseverance. This means, brother, that you're going to wait patiently on the Lord to bring you his best. Not your best. You've been doing that for years. How's it going? His best. You're going to wait patiently on the Lord. Well, Joseph, I don't like how long God takes. Well, so sorry. I didn't either. 
And I'm like, God, what do I do while I'm waiting? Well, the Bible says, right? Wait patiently on the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Because it takes bravery and courage to wait and trust in God and not take the reins again. And then the Bible repeats, yes, you little control freak. (laughs) Wait patiently on the Lord. It says it twice. Because God knows how we like to control and play God in our own little universes. Y-O-U, your own universe. We're all doing it. We're sitting up on our own thrones, but saying, oh, no, God, you're the king, but I'm going to sit on the throne of my life. See, that doesn't work. You got to get your ego off that throne and put God there, and man, he'll take over and blow up all those rocks, all right? To, brother, to receive God's best, you have to pass the test. To receive God's best, you have to pass the test. The test looks like surrender. Son, will you give me even that? Will you trust me with that? This is the test, okay? And then finally, you've been so patient. The great reward, step seven of mastering your anger and your stress, brother, is eager expectation. Eager expectation. This is where you like have that boyish excitement that your dad is going to deliver on his promise. He's going to. He promised you. He's going to. You showed up. You did your six steps. You're sitting and waiting. You're persevering as long as it takes. God, I know you got it. You already told me you did. Let's go. I'm going to stay busy with some other stuff over here. I'm not going to stress about that thing anymore, even though my world's collapsing on top of me. God's got it. I have no idea what he's going to do. But man, I'll tell you, brother, I'm so excited to see how he's going to work all this out for my good and my family. It's beautiful. I'm living in that reality by the way brendan right now and there's whole other stories there so brother the eager expectation means you expect only good things from god because you're his son and he loves you you expect miracles not little baby like oh this little area is going to get a little better it's going to work a little more no you expect like a total transformation night and day of your life a miracle Because God is the God of possibilities. You believe that everything is possible with God and that you can do all things with Jesus Christ who strengthens you when you finally surrender, you little control freak, to him. I know, it's fun. All right, so just a quick recap. Those are the seven steps to master anger and stress. We got outrageous ownership, uh, radical responsibility, loving leadership, spiritual surrender, bold belief, powerful perseverance, and eager expectation. That is what you must do, brother, and you will be set free. It's pure gold. It is pure gold. So I want to ask you two last questions that I ask mm-hmm. just about everybody that comes on the show. And uh, and then before we wrap up, I do want you to tell us a little bit more about your your coaching program, blow up rocks, how we can get in touch with you, all that kind of good stuff. So first question, a little bit of a fastball, but what are you the most proud of in your life so far? I attracted the girl of my dreams and it was only two to three years before I got married that I was in a very hopeless place of despair that even though, you know, I had, you know, God made me look a certain way or whatever. And I was, I could get girls. That's the point. I could get girls, but I kept getting the wrong girls. And I was at a place of like, God, do you even have a girl for me? Or am I going to end up alone my whole life? And I literally started to believe I would be alone the rest of my life. And then God came in and did all this, right? So I attracted the girl of my dreams and she's an amazing woman. And we have two beautiful humans that God put me responsible to get them and her to heaven. 
Like, this is what I'm most proud of. And I'm most proud of, and this is not without, this is not with ego. I am most proud of that God's grace did all the work in blowing up the rocks in my life. But my decision to sit in silence with him and to spiritually surrender my life to him, I am most proud of that decision. Because that's where everything was transformed and made new again. That's what I'm most proud of. So good. All right, last question for you here. So this question, it is around the word legacy. So legacy is a word that gets talked a lot about today. You hear it on social media all the time. A lot of different connotations. A lot of times it's money. It's, you know, wealth, generational wealth, names on buildings, the the whole thing. When I think about legacy, I think about the people that mean the most to me. And I think about the people that I'm leaving behind. So within those two buckets, I think about my kids. They fall into both of those buckets. And when I think about legacy, I think about the moments, the memories, the lessons, the experiences, the little things that they will learn from having spent time with me so that when God willing, I'm able to leave them behind on on this earth, they can live the rest of their lives with these little lessons, moments, memories, whatever it is. So through that lens, if I toss that over to you and say, what do you want your legacy to be with your two kids? How would you answer that? Yeah, great question. All right, so I'm going to do a little punch in the throat here. And this just came to me in this moment, in this time, so it's not for me if it's good. If it sucks, it's for me, okay? (laughs) So legacy is not about who you're leaving behind, brother. It's about who you're taking with you. Mm. Legacy is not about who you're leaving behind, your kids, your wife. It's about who you're showing up to heaven with and saying, Father, Jesus, You assigned these humans to me. I brought them here safely. And oh, by the way, with the work you had me doing and the calling you put on my life, I brought all these guys too. Right? I multiplied my talents, Father. I didn't bury them. I didn't pretend there wasn't anything wrong in my life. I leaned into the darkness, but I brought your light in it. And I brought your power. And you took over. And you did it. So now I'm showing up right now. Not with anything I did. But I'm showing up with me out of the way. My ego. My pride. And I'm showing up with. Your power. Right? Your kingdom. And hopefully I served you well as a son of royalty and a prince here on earth. I wasn't the king. All these podcasts and shows that say, brother, you're a king, you're a king. Bull, you're not a king. That just feeds your ego. You're not a king, you're a prince. There's a distinction. Kings rely on themselves. Princes go to their father, the king. And they get their marching orders. And then they obey swiftly. Right? So that's my legacy. And God put a calling on the rest of my life, specifically bring my sons back to me. And I'm going to show up and say, Father, I did it. Here you go. Meet so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. And by the way, there's a million behind them. Amen, brother. Right before you said that you uh, started speaking there, you said you weren't sure if that was going to be good or not. That was good. That is well, good, my- brother. That's good stuff. Well, you know, my face just started leaking and, uh, you know, (laughs) I don't like that loss of control. 
But you know what? When the Holy Spirit speaks, man, it takes over your whole physiology. That's unbelievable. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's, man, I, I've said this. It's funny. I've said this a couple of times as, as I've done the show and I've spoken to more people. When I hear an answer to that question, it's my favorite question to answer because it forces you to really zoom out and think like, let me snap my priorities in order real quick and think about it. And uh, I've said a few times, that's my favorite answer to the question. And I've got to say it again. That's my favorite answer to that question so far. So I, I appreciate mm. you sharing that with us, man. That's, yeah. And uh, I challenge awesome. every man listening right now, Brendan, stop making legacy your deathbed um, action. Like thinking about it too late. Make your legacy like today. Yes. Like how am I going to show up and fulfill that legacy today? Like I literally have it all around. Like bring my sons back to me. That is a command from God on my life, Joseph's life. How do I do that today? That's my question. How do I bring one more son back to God today? See, now my legacy is my life and my life is my legacy. It's not at the end of my life. I might have to get you to come back on here so we can run through all of this kind of, man, we, there's so much more that you and I could talk about. Oh, um, you don't even know the depths, bro. You don't I even know. know. I'm telling Close you, we, I might have to get you back on here. Um, but before I kick you off today, I do want you to tell us a little bit about blowuprocks.com. Tell us about your sure. coaching, how we can get in touch with you. Steer us here. So I'm a, an elite men's coach. This is what God has me doing, right? So what that means simply is I help Christian husbands, dads, and business owners to move from angry and stressed in their life. We spoke about that into peace and purpose in 90 days or less guaranteed. That's my promise. 90 days or less guaranteed. And we do it without, 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 without therapy or marriage counseling. Let's be honest, as men, we don't like either. I don't want to pay someone to fix me. Okay? That implies something's wrong with me. Broken, irreparable. Those are lies of the enemy. Brother, if you're listening right now, there is nothing wrong with you. You just got rocks standing in your way. They're stuck in your soil. You haven't looked at them for so long. They grew. Now they're boulder sizes. And now when you finally want to address that big rock of alcoholism, workaholism, porn addiction, whatever it is, it's too heavy for you to lift out of your own soil. Your strength's insufficient. I can show you exactly how to get it out, and we're going to bring God in, and he's going to, his power, we're going to access it. We're going to pull down power from heaven. He's going to blast it out. That's why it's going to work this time finally, even though you've been in therapy for 15 years. Okay? So if you want more about that and you want to apply, I have one-on-one -on -one coaching. I only work with 12 men a year at that level. These are guys doing seven, eight, nine figures. They're killing it and crushing in business. They're already successful. But maybe they're stopped in their purpose. They don't know what's next. God, how do I use all these resources for your kingdom? I don't have a clue, Joseph. What do I do? We're going to get you that answer. We're going to get you perfect clarity on that. All right? But then I got a mastermind program. It's a group program. And that's for the guy who's dealing with the, the rocks of anger and stress. He's yelling at his wife's and kids. He doesn't know how to stop. He's dealing with porn, all this stuff, right? We're going to blast all that out in 90 days or less, right? So you can find out more and apply at blowuprocks.com, blowuprocks.com. But I promised you guys this, Brendan. I said, I'm going to give you my book, okay? It's called Peace and Purpose, Seven Steps for Mastering Your Anger and Stress. It's got case studies of real guys just like you, brother. Listen, right? Real case studies of before and after transformations. Go to freepurposebook.com, freepurposebook.com. I'm going to give you my book for free. We're going to mail it right to you, okay? 
You cover the shipping, I'll cover the book. Fair enough? You gotta have some skin in the game in your own recovery. Freepurposebook.com. Go get the book, I'm telling you. It's gonna shift something for you. Let's go. Let's go. Joseph, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so, so, so much. Like I said at the beginning, thank you for making some time for us today, man. We received your time as a gift. And uh, I, I've certainly learned a lot today. I've had my eyes opened. I've been convicted. Um, I've been moved in a couple different ways. Um, I cannot wait to listen back on this and take, take some more notes myself. Uh, and I'm super excited to share this with everybody listening. So, man, thank you so much. We are definitely going to stay in touch. And uh, yeah, man, we'll talk soon. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.